0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Have you ever gone to crazy lengths or crazy measures to be near someone? Uh, How many of you ever switched a class in high school or college just to be in the class that your crush was in? Anybody ever become friends with someone just so that you could go to their house because you had a crush on their sibling. Now, that'd be weird. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I did date a girl whose brother was actually one of my best friends in high school. It made for some weirdness when we broke up. Not gonna lie. What would you do to hang around the right people? I actually hired Crystal when we were back in college. I hired her to do a painting job with me for a week in the summer uh, when we were dating. And you might ask, okay, what experience did she have in painting? i'd say none but she was cute and she needed a job for a week and so stop asking me all right i wanted to be around her and she needed work for a week at the end of the summer and so i did what any guy in love would do i hired her to help me with my last painting job for the summer and i paid her way more than she was worth and here's the thing i was pretty sure that she was going to want to marry me eventually and so i kind of figured like it was just paying myself Um, And in the end, it worked out. I can remember doing other crazy things to get close to somebody. I waited for a good length of time in a hotel lobby with a buddy of mine and his family. Uh, I was back in fifth grade and we waited for Bobby Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers to come walking through the lobby. Uh, Just this past week, I watched a three hour and 15 minute long 1985 version of Anne of Green Gables with my oldest daughter, Abby. Honestly, that's some pure dedication of his father to a daughter, right? Actually, it's not. I, I love the movie. And I'm on her every day right now, like, Honey, you've got to finish this second book so we can get to the second movie. Um, but we've all done crazy things to be around maybe a famous person or somebody that we looked up to, somebody that we had a crush on or that we were like in love with. And the crazy things that we do in those moments, they don't really feel like they're crazy because we just want to be around the person. And they seem like it's the reasonable thing to do in order to get close to the person or the people that we want to get close to. And right now at Central Christian Church, we're going through this series called The Best Good News Ever. It's a series based on the stories and attributes of Jesus. And in today's story, there's a group of guys that do something really crazy to get close to Jesus. They had heard about this guy, Jesus, and something about him struck them as good news. And they had this buddy who really needed to get close to that good news. And so we're going to jump into this story at the beginning of Mark chapter 2. And throughout Mark 1, Jesus has been traveling around in this small fishing village called Capernaum. It's a town of about 1,500 people. um, And it sort of became... The, the base of operations for Jesus during his earthly ministry. Uh, and he likely, when he, he was there in Capernaum, he likely stayed with uh, in the home of Peter and Andrew, two of his disciples who, who lived there. And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus was doing a bunch of Jesus kinds of things in Capernaum. Healing people, preaching, doing all this stuff. And then he leaves there at the end of Mark 1, and he travels through Galilee. And it, it says that he was preaching in synagogues and driving out demons. And Mark tells a pretty famous story at the end of Mark 1, about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Now, I don't know why, but my youngest daughter, Finley, her favorite Bible stories are any of them that have anything to do with leprosy. Don't ask me why, I'm not really sure, but she's fascinated with leprosy. Probably because she's never seen it in person, I don't know. Uh, but after Jesus heals this man with leprosy, uh, all of a sudden, at the beginning of Mark chapter 2, Jesus is back in the town of Capernaum. And here's what we read in Mark 2 verses 1 through 7. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Some men came, uh, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they began they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone now it might help to visualize this scene if you If you know a little bit about the makeup of a typical Palestinian peasant's home during this time, it was probably a small one-room home with a flat roof. And there would have been access to this roof by way of an outside stairway. And on the roof, there would have been these wooden beams that you wouldn't have seen because they were covered with sticks and leaves and straw. And then some type of soil would be placed on that and it would be compacted down by this rolling stone in order to keep out the rain out of the home. And so as these men find no way to Jesus through this small room in this house, they go up the outdoor staircase to the roof and they begin digging. And they're digging through this roof to expose these wooden beams. And I just want you to imagine being in that room, listening to Jesus and the dirt starts to rain down on you from these men digging through the roof. I don't know about you, but I'd, be, I'd probably be annoyed. You're listening to Jesus and all of his wisdom and then these guys, interrupt everything and you're picking soil out of your hair but think about jesus i'm thinking that he probably had a sly little sly grin creep across his face i mean this is ingenious it's creative it's persistent it's friendship these guys will go to any length to get their buddy to jesus and i'm pretty sure that jesus probably liked these guys already more than everybody else in the rest of that room What happened in this small room when this paralyzed man was lowered into this room, it was so much bigger than just a man being healed. What happened in this room was really a distinct spiritual moment that showed Jesus to be something way more than just being a powerful teacher or a powerful healer. This story was a defining moment. It's a place that you look back on and you see everything was changed from that point on. It's it's Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. It's hearing your favorite band live in concert for the first time. It's seeing your future spouse for the first time and knowing that your life is never going to be the same. It's, it's eating this chocolate mousse cake that used to be at this restaurant in Beloit called the Clara Beau. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, there is no dessert that even matters anymore after Crystal and me had that dessert. You see, Jesus changes the trajectory of the spiritual world in this small room in Mark chapter 2. Up until now, the temple had been the place where Israel's spiritual center had been. The temple had been heaven's connecting point to earth. In this story of Jesus in Mark 2, it shows us that this is no longer going to be the case. Jesus is positioning himself as a better temple from this moment forward. And as you see at the end of this passage, the teachers of the law, they are not happy about it. So Jesus positions himself as a better temple and what exactly does that mean and to unpack this we need to look exactly at what the temple was back in that day the first thing is that the temple was the place where god was present Uh, one thing about the temple in jerusalem was that it was always a busy place why was it busy it's because the people believed that it was the one place where god actually visited in the holy of holies which is the, the innermost section of the temple the high priest would go in there once a year and would offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people And this is the place where the Spirit of God resided. No one else could go in there but the high priest. But because God's presence was located in the temple, the temple was the place where everyone wanted to be. It was the place that they would come to worship God. It was was constantly busy with people. People were everywhere because they wanted to be near God. Now, the people in this story in Mark 2 I don't think any of them probably realize yet who or what Jesus actually is. Uh, They can't see that he is God, but they see that something's different. And something is drawing them to him. In verse 2, it said, They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. You see, Jesus was becoming the temple, what the temple had already been. Jesus was becoming the place where everyone wanted to be. And we're going to get back to that in a minute, but What I want you to see is how Jesus makes God's presence accessible to everybody. He goes and he forgives this paralyzed man his sins. And the the teachers got ticked about it. You know, they said that only God can do that. In verse 7, they say, why does this fellow talk like that? Uh, He's blaspheming. I can't say that word right. I've messed it up both times. He's blaspheming. There we go. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And this, This is really what makes Jesus a better temple. You see, in the temple building, the presence of God was kept behind a curtain that no one but the high priest once a year could go behind. In fact, one of the things that we tend to overlook a lot was what happened when Jesus actually breathed his final breath on the cross. It says in that moment that the heavy curtain which separated the Holy of Holies from the most holy place, it was torn in two t- from top to bottom. It was this symbolic demonstration that the presence of God was no longer limited to one place. Jesus makes the presence of God available to everyone, everywhere. And Jesus was making his presence known in this small room in Capernaum. He was subtly declaring that he, in fact, was the presence of God. And John writes about it, Jesus in this way, uh, John 1:14. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, no longer is God hidden from us. Jesus tears down the no trespassing sign. We don't have to wonder what God is like. We don't have to experience a lesser, a lesser version of God's presence than the real thing. We're now free to experience him anytime, anywhere. Jesus is, as it says in Hebrews 1.3, he's the exact representation of God's being and see the Old Testament was kind of like distance dating you got this two-dimensional version of the the one that you love and maybe not even that you've got a picture of it you know before Crystal and I got married uh, all we had to do all we had was phones to talk on to each other with not even cell phones when we first started dating Um, we had to be in each other in our dorm room when we were going to college and we were in separate colleges we had to both be in our dorm room when we would call each other, be in the dorm room at the same time. And then that's all, like, you didn't get to see each other while you we were talking. It was just simple phones. It was awful. Uh, and that's kind of like what meeting up with God in the old temple was. Uh, you never got the real thing, you just kind of got this 2D version of God. But Jesus makes God into a 3D version, a three dimensional version. Now he's unveiled completely, there's no more distance dating. Uh, It's like when I got married to Crystal and and how I I get to see her every day now. And instead of having to talk on the phone, now we we get to be with each other. Just like that, we get to know and be with Jesus every day. We don't have to have a high priest go into a room and meet with him on our behalf. Jesus is the better temple because Jesus makes God completely personal to us in every way. Uh, now, what else was it that was unique about the temple that comes alive through this story of Jesus in Mark 2? The second thing is that the temple was the place where forgiveness happens. Now, can you imagine having to go to the temple on a regular basis, purchase some animals to sacrifice, and then sit there and kill those animals because of your sin? Now, seriously, like, I think sometimes, what God, what were you thinking? when you made that the way to get rid of sin. It's almost like he was trying to get us to do the most gruesome and nasty thing possible so that people would actually stop being stupid and would flee from sin because these sacrifices that it took to make forgiveness happen were just so awful. But Jesus, again, he changes everything. Jesus in this story becomes the place where forgiveness happens. Instead of an animal sacrifice, he's the one bringing people the absence of sin that they were searching for. I want you to listen again to verse 5. It said, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, Do you realize how shocking that statement was? It was shocking enough to the teachers of the law, that's for sure. Remember, they were so angered because they saw this statement as blasphemy. It was equivalent to Jesus saying that he was God. Now, if you ever come across somebody who ever tries to tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God in the Bible, have them read this story to you and then try to tell you that again with a straight face. Uh, Jesus, that, he's saying, I can forgive sins, which is him saying, I'm God. No one could forgive sins. That was for God alone. But you know what? It's not just that, that only God should be able to forgive sins that these people thought were wrong with what Jesus was doing. Even to us. Maybe there's something that seems inappropriate, actually, to Jesus' response here. I want you to think about this. What if you took your child to the doctor with some awful illness, you don't know what's going on, and the doctor looked at your child and said, you're forgiven for slapping your sister today. Now, if your child had slapped your sister, you know, the day before or whatever, you might be like, yo, doc, you've been creeping by my house? What's wrong with you? But for sure, you you would be ticked that the doctor isn't treating the thing that you brought your child there for the issue that should be at the highest priority which is the child's illness you see people in that small room in capernaum they had to be thinking yo jesus this dude needs a physical healing quit talking about his sin take care of the thing that's most important but in reality this man needed something more than he needed physical healing he needed spiritual healing you and me we're in the same position no matter what you think you might need from god none of it compares to your need for spiritual healing. And that kind of healing, it really only comes with a forgiven heart. And so again, Jesus is our better temple. Before Jesus, people used to have to bring their best animals and take them down to the temple and offer them up to God. It was a sacrifice that really wasn't perfect. But Jesus became that better sacrifice. Hebrews says that he died once for all of our sins. No longer is there any work that you or I have to do in order to to be forgiven. We don't have to go to this temple and do all this stuff to receive forgiveness. Jesus is the temple and he is the sacrifice that's performed at the temple. He's everything, he's all of it. I love how Jesus' first instinct here with this paralyzed man is to forgive him his sins. Uh, There would have been some in that room uh, most likely the legalists, the, the legal people in the law, they actually would have been like, dude, you can't even be forgiven unless you've first been healed of sickness. That was a rule f- according to the law. And it's a crazy rule, right? What, what kind of rule is that? It's, it's really a rule that allowed the religious zealots to justify neglecting all the sick people that they had in their land as sinners. That's disgusting, right? But see, Jesus completely flips this on its head. His natural instinct is always toward grace and mercy and forgiveness. Jesus sees someone in pain and his first instinct is to want to forgive them because he actually knows that our sin will always be the cause of our greatest hurts in life. Jesus is a better temple where you and I have forgiveness waiting for us that is 100% free and it's 100% healing. The healing that you think you might need my, it'll never be as important as the healing that Jesus is going to offer you every moment as his first response, which is the healing of forgiveness. Now, there's one more thing I think that's unique about the temple that we find happening with this story of Jesus. Uh, and the third thing is this. The temple is the place where people come together. Now, people would come together in the temple, uh, but it wasn't like it should be. If you were unclean for some reason, you couldn't even enter the outer courts of the temple. And the things that would make you unclean, they include, but they're not limited to the following. Touching a dead person, touching a dead animal. So if you're a hunter, I don't know what you're gonna do. Giving birth to a child. Not sure why that makes you unclean. Having a disease on your skin. Touching anything that another person, unclean person has touched. Eating an animal that died on its own or by another animal's doing. So if it wasn't killed by a person. Now, do you get what this means? people? like that weren't welcome at the temple building the one place that god resided some people weren't welcome at have you ever felt like you weren't welcome before maybe at church uh, maybe with a group of colleagues maybe at a lunch table jesus is a better temple jesus is the temple where there is free admittance to everybody the clean the unclean and frankly we're all we're all in the unclean category we're all welcome. We're unclean and we're welcome. In the story leading up to the, this healing, when Jesus healed the man with leprosy, that man was unclean according to the temple traditions because of his leprosy. He couldn't go to the temple. And when Jesus healed him, I want you to listen to what Jesus did. Mark 1:41. it says, Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing to do it, he said, be clean. Now there's so much going on in this one verse. See, Jesus touched the unclean man. Uh, that alone would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean. But Jesus didn't just heal the man's leprosy and that touched. He healed his uncleanness. See, the former temple couldn't do anything about somebody being unclean, about their unclean status. All you could do was wait out the time to be considered clean again, and then you could go back. But Jesus changed it all. Jesus is the better temple where everybody can come together at any time. He's the temple that can actually make you clean because Jesus Himself is the very definition of clean. When Jesus touches you, He passes off His cleanness and His purity to you. He doesn't become unclean because of your stains. Uh, you become washed by His perfection. Now, you're a paralyzed man who, who has to break through the roof to get to me? Jesus says, Come on in. You're considered by all of your friends to be unclean and unwanted? Well, aren't friends at all probably, are they? Come on in. You've messed up and you've sinned so much that you don't know how to change or where to start. Come on in. Jesus says, let me touch you and cleanse you from your unclean state. You're welcome to come into my presence so that you can receive the healing that you actually need. There's no use staying outside because you're not gonna get any better out there. The bottom line with Jesus, you're welcomed in while you're at your dirtiest point. No need to clean up before coming to him. He's the one with the power and the expertise to clean you in a way that time and energy on your part will never do. Jesus is our better temple. He's the very presence of God where where we can meet with him personally. He's the forgiveness of God. He's where we come together no matter what the stains on our lives look like. You remember how at the beginning of our time today, I asked if you'd ever done something crazy to be close to somebody, to have the chance to be in their presence. And then we looked at what these men did, cutting a hole in this roof to get down to Jesus. But even that pales in comparison to how crazy of a thing it is that God did to be close to us. He moved his home from heaven down to earth in order to not only be with us, but also to give us a home with him. Jesus has become our temple. He's become our home, our place to be with the real living God, our place to receive forgiveness and the healing of the most important kind. He's our place to find community that builds and strengthens better than any other kind of community because it's anchored in Jesus. Too many of us still have another temple that we've set up, though. A temple where we feel that God is far away, a temple where we feel like we have to present ourselves in a certain way or else we're going to be turned away. A temple where we have to do all the work in order to be forgiven and accepted. And if that's how you feel this morning, and we, we all set up that type of temple at times in our lives, remember today that Jesus is the real temple. Uh, Jesus is your free entrance to a relationship with God who loves you and who has gone as far out of his way as he possibly could in order to offer you the forgiveness that you so desperately need. Jesus is your better temple. Choose today that you will not accept a lesser version of a God that you have to do all the work to please. He did the work for you. He made himself 100% accessible to you. Don't be fooled into thinking that God is ever far away from you. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that We know through scripture, through this story, that there's something special about Jesus. We are no longer in a place where we have to go to a temple and make all these sacrifices and go to a temple where sometimes we aren't even able to go in because our sin has made us unclean. God, when we come before you because of who Jesus is, he welcomes us in with open arms, clean or unclean. God, I thank you for that. Because, Lord, there's no way around it. So much of my heart and my mind and my life is unclean. And yet you continually welcome me back. God, I'm so thankful for that. Remind us of that. In those moments where we feel like we are so far away, where you are so far away from us, that we feel like our sin is just distancing us from you. God, remind us that you are not scared off by our, distance, by our sin. Our sin does not make distance between you and me. You you walk towards us in the midst of our sin. God, help us to remember that this week. Uh, Help us never to feel like we're far away from you because the truth is Jesus is our better temple where we are always welcome, where we always receive forgiveness. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.